If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. It's no secret that writing can be lonely work, but does it really have to be? Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, you'll get insights into the tricks, tips, and production habits of writers from every level of the biz. From best-selling authors to those launching their first novels, you're sure to be in the company of friends as we encourage great writers to divulge and share their secrets. This is the Great Writer Share Podcast with your host, dark urban fantasy author, Holly Lyne. Hello and welcome to episode number 78 of the Great Writers Share podcast, a podcast where every week we hijack an hour or so of time from some of the kindest and hardest working writers around today to join us on the show and discuss everything that makes them tick, raw and bounce. My name's Holly Line and it's the 4th of February as of recording. Today I'm talking to Miranda O, oh, a chiclet author from Canada. We had a fantastic chat about how her life experiences have influenced her writing, finding the right writing environment and support network, and how podcasting helps her to develop as a speaker and a writer. Before we get into the interview, a quick personal update from me. Uh, my novella, The Hidden City, is now available for pre-order, and I'm very much looking forward to starting work on the next book in the series. I've been tinkering with my schedule recently and trying to figure out a better way to balance everything, because I got horribly burnt out, and taking a week off did not do the trick. So uh, I'm also looking at my sleep cycles and my chronotype and how that all fits together and how I can make the best use of my time that works for me and works for my family situation and everything. So I'm still figuring that out. Um, but yeah, I'm optimistic and um, hopefully this is going to be the start of a much more productive period for me. Um, I'm looking forward as well to getting back to writing just for fun a little bit because I've been so focused on running my business that I haven't really taken the time to do that so I'm going to join in with some little like challenges and stuff and just let my hair down and just enjoy um, getting stuck into something that I probably won't even publish just something that's just for me and that's a bit of fun. Um, my other podcast, Unstoppable Authors, is approaching its two-year anniversary. Uh, I co-host that show with Angeline Trevina, and we are currently scheming and plotting away for what we can do to celebrate our two-year anniversary of podcasting together. So that's happening, and uh, it would be wonderful if you could join us over at Unstoppable Authors and take a listen. Now then, our question of the week. Last week I asked our patrons, what main emotional response do you want to evoke in your reader? Now we had some really, really lovely responses over on our Slack channel. Uh, Faye, one of our co-hosts, uh, said inspiration and determination. 
Jen Mitchell said, discomfort, I want to take them out of their day-to-day -day safe place and drop them into a place that makes them feel and experience emotions they don't normally tap into. Brett Jackson says, I want them to feel like they've travelled to another place and feel like they're immersed in the world I've created, full of awe and wonder and wow, this is real. And our very own Dan Wilcox added, I want to create a human connection. Although I write in horror, every scenario I write needs to bring people into a real human feeling. Fear, love, desperation, passion. I want my readers to feel what happens to a person when all control is gone and all that's left are the fundamental commonalities of humanity. Deep stuff. So yeah, I loved all of those responses. Thank you all very much. And now, without any further ado, let's dive into the interview with the one and only Miranda O. With me today is Miranda O. She's the author of the successful chiclet series Chin Up, Tits Out. Author Miranda O, a girl of Métis tradition and descent, is your typical girl. She loves the sunset, long walks on the beach, world travels, and when not playing the corporate part, she can be found sipping wine and spending all her hard-earned money on nice shoes. Among her friends and family, Miranda is known to be the storyteller of the group, always recapping crazy life stories and situations. Her personal experiences, emotions and fantasies are the inspiration for most of her books, so there is a little bit of her in every story. Welcome to The Great Writer's Share. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Excellent. So could you start us off by just telling me a bit about your writing journey so far? Yeah, for sure. So I've been a writer officially, like a published writer for about five years now, and I've published three three novels, a full series. Um, and I'm, I'm currently working on my next series, which is another three book series as well. Um, and it has been a wild ride. I, I think I said this the other day on in an interview, like when I say a wild ride, I mean, it has been a roller coaster. Like there has been up moments, there has been down moments, there has been moments where my stomach is doing backflips, but I am excited. And there's moments where my stomach is doing front flips and I'm like, holy, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it has been an absolute whirlwind um, and lots and lots of learning. Like you don't ever really stop learning as, as an author, whether you're learning about whatever you're writing or you're learning about what your readers or your fans are saying about your writing. And so it's a constant growth spectrum that you're, you're kind of balancing on. And um, I am so excited that I, I have had the opportunity to not only write one book, but to continue this journey. Mm -hmm. And I am so honored that, you know, when I do write, people actually want to read my stuff. And, and so that's really exciting as well. So yeah. it is, it has been one giant roller coaster and I just can't wait to keep going and seeing where it takes me. Yeah. Have you always been <clears throat> writing or is it something you've come to just a, a bit more recently? I would say I'd always enjoyed writing. Like as a, as a child, as a kid, I really enjoyed telling stories. Um, and that class of creative writing was always something that I really enjoyed. Like I remember writing a story about a crocodile, whatever the crocodile was back in like grade school. I just had so much fun writing about it. And 
<clears throat> then you kind of fall out of it as a teenager. I was really into sports. So what I did write was a journal, like I kept a journal. So I would always just kind of keep notes around whatever was going on in my life at that point. And then when sports was no longer a thing, it was like, okay, are you going to try to go professional? Or are you just doing it because your parents encouraged you to stay out of trouble and be busy as a kid. And that was what it was, was like, here, you're good at it. So like, like, let's do it. But then you're not that good to like make it pro. So, you know, that was when work shifted into my life. And when work shifts into your life, if as a teenager and you're going to school, there was like no time for writing. It was like a very structured, very busy week. Um, and then when I hit college, I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And there was a creative writing story and I had this story and I wrote it out and I was super proud of it. And I got like an average mark and I was like, well, that sucks. Like I thought it was really awesome, but I guess it wasn't that great. And um, <clears throat> it wasn't until years later where I was like, okay, I actually, I want to take a stab at this story again, because the story had continued to evolve and mm-hmm. play out in my life. And um, I took, I took advantage of that. And I took pen to paper and I found a publisher and just went like dove head into it. So mm-hmm. yes, writing has always been part of my life. Something that has been more prominent in my life is a storyteller, as, as my bio says, like mm-hmm. come to work on Monday morning and I'm like, sit your butt down. I have stories for you. And everybody's like, let me just grab my cup of coffee. Like, this is good. And, you know, whether that was at school or at work, um, more often than not, like I got to like, stop talking. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, I just have to finish the story. And they're like, no. So um, definitely have always been a sharer, an oversharer at most parts, but um, it's been entertaining nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You say in your bio about drawing on personal experiences. Is mm. that, um, yeah, I care to elaborate on that? Yeah, of course. Um, So my first series is very much based on, let's call it my 20s. Now, everybody, no matter what they go through in their 20s, whether it's they get married, they have babies, they buy their first house, whatever, or they stay single and they run through life and they rent apartments with multiple roommates, anything, whatever you go through in your 20s, there's a lot of self expression exploration Mm. and a lot of trial and error and a lot of trying to push the boundaries of your own comfort level because you're trying to figure out who you are as a human being. You're no longer a child. You're no longer, you know, living under the thumb of mom and dad or your guardian, right? You're, Mm. you're trying to figure out who you are as an adult. And so I did draw my, my, my first series, chin up, chin up, chin up, tits out on my my life at that point and I went through wild stuff like I was traveling all over the world I dealt with long distance immigration I dealt with racism I dealt with abusive behaviors and mental illness and and you're trying to navigate this and you're like this is insane Um, and of course when you're going through it you just kind of go through it but when you look back on it you're like holy like yeah actually you went through that like you 
you saw racism in, in real life. Like I'm a white girl from Canada. So like it wasn't directed towards me, but I, I saw it in South Africa and it was the opposite. Like I'm the only white person in an airplane and getting yelled at for whatever reason, or I'm getting prohibited from going into the Canadian embassy in South Africa. And I'm just like, this is this, it was just, it was mind boggling. Like I had no idea this. I was, I was naive at that point, very young and very naive and very thinking that the world was a beautiful, glorious place, which it is, but there are dark corners in this beautiful, (laughs) glorious place. And, you know, I found a lot of them and, and I'm so happy that I did because I learned a lot. So drawing on my experiences for this, this first series was a huge life lesson, lessons on lessons on lessons. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it was an opportunity for me to relate to people, not only from Canada and South Africa, but people from all over the world. I mean, like you look at Canada and we're a diverse group of human beings that come from all over Mm -hmm. and you know, learning about your feelings and how they manifest in certain situations and then using that in your books to describe and sort out a feeling, it's relatable. So I was able Mm -hmm. to connect with a lot of human beings that way. And then my second series, again, I was taking personal experience from a a condition that I suffer with, which is called endometriosis. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible condition. And like one out of 10 women actually suffer with it. And it takes like seven years to get diagnosed and it's extremely painful and it's not really curable or treatable. You just kind of have a shot in the dark science experiment with your body until you find what works for you. And so when I was diagnosed with that, I was like, I'm writing about endometriosis. And (laughs) so I, I, you know, I connected with a hundred women from around the world and, and interviewed them and talked to them and really got what their story was all about. And and now I'm embarking on writing this whole new series. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm excited because for me, taking things that I know and understand and I've lived through and breaking down those scenarios and really talking about how those feelings manifest inside of us, you know, fear, if it's pain, if it's happiness, if it's love, if it's, if it's love towards my parents or love towards a, a partner, if it's, you know, love towards a dog, that love kind of manifests differently in all of us. And so taking these experiences and stripping them of the scenarios and really diving into the feelings that we're feeling during these certain situations Mm -hmm. is not only healing for myself, but really connecting and a full level of relatability when it comes to my readers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you ever worry um, that people might think that you are your main characters? No, no, I, <laughs> at first I was afraid and I was petrified. Sorry, that song just <laughs> popped into my head, <laughs> popped into my head. No, no. Um, at first I was a little bit afraid for people to judge me, but then I'm like, no, you know, if you're going to judge me in a negative way, then it just means that you have your own personal demons that you're dealing with Mm. in your own way. And that's okay. You can judge me. Um, 
I'm fine with that. Now, the people that are working through their inner demons or have worked through similar demons, as soon as they hear these experiences or read these experiences and go through it with me and my characters, they're like, oh, girl, I was there once. (laughs) It it was interesting. You know, like... it's again, it's a relatability tool and, and people that are super like, I think the first time I got a negative review and there hasn't been too many of them, but you know, it happens like Mm -hmm. you can't please everybody. Yeah. I was so upset because I felt like this person had personally attacked me as a human being. And I think I cried for like two days (laughs) and, um, Again, this was my first book. I've written two more past that. So like there's a lot of growing and learning in the mm-hmm. writing and storytelling in that time. But I was so upset because she, the, the the person who wrote it was a, was a woman and she just tore the main character apart and was mm-hmm. like, she's stupid and just like used really mean words. And I'm like, holy. So when I when I took a step back and I was like, okay, you know, perhaps, perhaps you just, you feel like that person angered you in in a really bad way. And that's okay. Like, at least I evoked some sort of emotion from you mm-hmm. with my words. Like I never had to meet you. I never had to shake your hand. I never had to hang out with you in the same room. But the fact that you felt it necessary to use that much oomph in a review mm-hmm. means that I did something right and so I kind of took it at that mm-hmm. and that face value is that I evoked emotion with just simply my words mm-hmm. and as a writer I think that's what you want to do is you want to evoke emotion with your words yeah. whether you're writing a horror or a murder mystery or something suspense thriller you're not asking your reader to love your story you're mm-hmm. you're you're hoping your reader feels that terror and that angst and that anxiety within them as they're reading the pages mm-hmm. yes i write contemporary chiclet so it could be you know confused with warm and fuzzy and romance and this and that and of course there is but there's still going to be points in the novel and points in the story that aren't fuzzy and aren't chocolate covered rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And that's the cool thing about contemporary is that you can kind of mishmash a little bit of everything in there. Yeah. I think we wouldn't be doing our jobs as writers if we didn't touch on the darker feelings. That's, you know, that's what we're here for really. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's that relatability. And, you know, you, you ask authors who do write those darker genres is like, are, is there a little bit of you in it? And they go, yeah, of course. Like if I'm mad, I'm going and killing somebody in a book versus going to act that out in real life. And I don't have to go to jail. And I'm like, I never really thought about it that way. You know, like it's so funny to think about how people release their stress or how authors release their stress in life within the writing. You know, I take on certain situations in my life and I put it out on paperwork raw and honest. And then of course, like refine it with my editing team. But, you know, like I do that where other people are like, no, I'm going to make some like dragon demon person and they're going to go on a killing rampage and that's going to make me feel better. I'm like, 
oh, all right. Like I can't even honk my horn at somebody if they cut me off. I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, like it, it all depends on who we are as a human and what works for us. And, and so it's really cool to kind of see how people, how different authors take their emotion and put it onto, onto paper when it, when it comes to their story, because everybody goes about it a little differently. Yeah. So is writing a form of catharsis for you? Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Like I have to be in the right mind frame. Like say this weekend I wanted to write, but I have a little bit of like this head sinus thing that's going on. And I'm like, do I, am I in the mood to, and, and I, and the answer was no, I wasn't in the mood to, I really wanted to, but there was, it was like an empty vastness inside. I'm like, I can't write when I'm empty about, like, especially when I'm writing about something I'm passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. Where the previous weekend, I was totally fine. And I'm like, this is so exciting. I'm going to write. And I ended up writing for like five hours straight. Like I had my earphones in and music playing. And I had a really big cup of coffee and a glass of water. And of course I peed like 16 times, but like who's counting? (laughs) Um, And I just like hammered on the keyboard and my partner works overnight on the weekend. So he's like, he woke up at the end of the five hours and was like, all I heard was like you hammering on this keyboard. He's just like, do your, do do your keys still have life left in them? And I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm good. Everything's fine. Getting into computer. It's an inanimate object. But, um, I just felt so, I woke up feeling like I wanted to do it and I poured everything out onto the pages that I wrote that day. And then after that, I was like, I think I need a nap. And I had a shower and I napped (laughs) for like two hours. It was absolutely great. You know, it just, I felt fantastic. And that was, and it, I liken it to like a good workout, you Mm. know, like a good, whatever, however you work out, you feel great after that. Mm. And but I have learned over time that if I don't feel good going into it, I'm like a workout. If I work out and I don't feel good going into it, I know I'm going to feel better afterwards. If I go into writing not feeling good, I tend to feel even worse afterwards because I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm already empty inside. So mm-hmm. let's not drain me out even, even further. <laughs> We're working out kind of just simply uplifts you in some way, shape or form. So he's got to sweat out the cold so maybe I should have gone for a walk yesterday instead of just sleep but hey I feel way better today than I did yesterday so we're we're working in the right direction yeah so what kind of things do you do to refill yourself and stop feeling so empty well um I would like to say workout workout is definitely something that it has always been like I told you I was very active as a kid so um into a lot of sports and you don't really realize as a kid or as a teenager how much adrenaline and endorphins and dopamine comes from kind of getting a good sweat on um so in my later 20s I realized how much that helps and of course with endometriosis my workouts have changed like I used to 
run marathons and lift weights and people are like, oh, are you training for a body competition? I'm like, no, I'm training so I can eat whatever the heck I want to eat without any like remorse. Um, And they're like, oh, good for you. And I'm like, yeah, good for me. Like I'm going to go and eat like a whole roll of brownies after this. They're healthy brownies. They're made with black beans, but like, so I'm going to eat a whole row of them <laughs> like, and shamelessly. And um, it definitely, it definitely helps rejuvenate. Now also putting something on is, is, is getting your setting right. Like I know some people can just write wherever and that's totally cool. Um, I, I'm very much a setting person. Like I need to tune out the whole world. Mm-hmm. And now does that mean that I can't go to Starbucks and write for four hours pre COVID? Cause you can't go do that now. But like, of course I could, but do I prefer to write in my own environment? Like with no pants on and the rate, like good music and a glass of wine close to me. Like, yeah, I would much <laughs> prefer that than like driving to a Starbucks and having to, refill that $5 cup of coffee every few hours and hope nobody touches my computer when I go to the bathroom 20 times. And, (laughs) you know, it's, so I like to be in a very perfect setting, if that makes sense. Like Mm. nobody can talk to me. I remember, actually, this is a funny story. So when I was writing my third book, um, I was writing, it was, it was heavy part of my third book and I was writing my, my friend and I, I was traveling actually. So I was staying in a hotel and he actually lived in the city. So in the city that I was traveling to. So I was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm writing tonight. I don't feel like being alone in my hotel room for like 16 hours. Um, but I also don't really want to talk to you. (laughs) Do you want to just be here? And he's like, yeah, I actually have some music to mix. So he was a DJ on the side of his corporate job. And, and like I work corporate and I'm a writer on the side of my corporate job. And so he, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll play around with my music and you do your writing. And I'm like, great. I'll bring dinner. You bring the wine. Like we're, we're good. And he's like, yeah, let's do this. So I looked at him before we started and I said, if I get emotional, do not interrupt me. Don't ask me if I'm okay. Don't, don't elbow me. Just let me be. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, that's totally fine. Like totally fine. So we're sitting next to each other. Cause like, you don't want to look at each other face to face and not talk. That's awkward. So sitting next to each other. So you actually don't have to look eye to eye. <laughs> and, um, and we start with full glasses of wine. And then all of a sudden I'm sobbing, like full, full tears coming out of the face, like trying to hold it back. And all he does is he grabs the bottle of wine and he kind of shakes it in my peripherals in the front. <laughs> and so like I grab my wine glass and I like move it towards him and, and he pours it. And then he puts the bottle of wine down and he continues what he's doing. And, and at the end of our session, like creative session together, he's just like, was that okay? And like, it was perfect. Like, <laughs> cause I would have done the same thing myself, but the wine was closer to you. I didn't want to have to ask for it. So I'm like, you kind of just read my mind and he's just like, awesome. I'm like, yeah, thanks bro. Like really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, so we had a really good laugh about that. But I'm like, he, I told him, I'm like, I was bawling and he just champed it out. I'm like, I don't know how awkward that would have been for him, but he champed it out and he totally just 
did what he needed to do and did exactly what I needed in that moment. And Mm -hmm. it was very, very appreciative. I was very appreciative of that. Like, holy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think having um, the right people around you is so important. Um, Do you feel you have supportive people in your life? Oh, goodness, yes. I am beyond blessed with supportive people. Um, if not too many cooks in the kitchen at some points. Um, <laughs> my my partner is absolutely brilliant when it comes to supporting me and, and my staff. You know, um, after he hears me on an interview, he goes, girl, you need your own talk show. Like, move <laughs> aside, Oprah. I'm like, can you calm down? And he goes, no, no. And I'm like, okay. Uh, this is why I love you. Um, or when I was doing the, the 100 interviews for my next book series, I would always, I would always start off the same way. I'm like, hi, you don't know me. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. So I would go into a little bit about my chin up tits out series. I'd go into about my corporate job. I'd go into about it with my endometriosis story. And on Saturdays and Sundays, we I would do up to five interviews, so ten interviews in wow. in two days, and <laughs> at the end of it, he'd be like, "Oh, let me see how I how good I can do this spiel," and so he would start to mimic me <laughs> on how I did my spiel, and he's just like, "I can do it backwards, upside down, sideways." He's just like, "You say the same thing." over and over and over and over again. He's like, he's like, I love you, but he's like, I cannot wait till you are done this 100 interviews. Like, are you close yet? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm 50 into it. And he goes, great. And then when we got to like the eighties, nineties, and he was just like, it's so much closer. (laughs) (laughs) And our basement in our house is unfinished. So it's like, he has to like behind, we have a working space in our living room. So it's like working space, couch, TV. So I would have a virtual background on so the people behind me couldn't watch the football or the soccer <laughs> that he was watching or see him in his house coat. Um, it would just be the virtual background and he'd be like, oh, thanks so much. Like, I appreciate that. And I'm like, no, like, it's fine. We're working off of headphones here, like no big deal, you know? And, um, but he's, he's extremely supportive and, you know, my parents, my family has been absolutely hands down supportive. You know, my first series, I wrote a lot about my family and the struggles that we went through together. Um, I even wrote about my brother being gay. Like I had to ask him for his permission. I'm like, it's not my story, but I definitely think it's integral and it could be part of, a, a moving relatable piece of, of having a sibling that is struggling with their identity. And I said, do I have your permission to write about your coming out story? And he goes, yeah, but like, I got to read it first. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So, you know, you, you write it from your perspective. And he goes, I didn't realize that's the way that you saw it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's how it, that's how it happened to me. It it happened to you differently, but it affected everybody that was involved differently. Mm -hmm. And I was like, now, you know, my perspective. And he's like, but I look like such a jerk. I'm like, but you don't like, I don't see it that way. And I was like, you see it that way because it's from a different perspective. I was like, but from somebody who's reading it, that's outside of the circle, outside of you and I aren't going to see it that way. You're just, Mm -hmm 
in your feelings about it. And I said, are you okay? Cause I'm like, I can change this. And he goes, no, like what you're saying is making sense. I'm just still a little bit insecure about it, but he's like, you've written about some of your biggest mistakes and shared them with the world and nothing really bad has happened with you. So like, I'm just the brother of an author. Like nobody, nobody gives a crap about me. So I was like, all right, that's awesome. And so it it's worked out that I've had, you know, I've had the opportunity to take some pretty heavy stuff that my family has gone through together and, and write about it and share it obviously with permission. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty cool that I have such a family that is open and supportive. And, you know, a lot of the times when I do share a story with somebody that I've just met and they do go ahead and they read my books, they're like, can I get adopted by your parents? I'm like, you're 40. And they're like, <laughs> I don't care. Can I just like be part of your family? I'm like, of course we take them all in from all over. Like, like let's make Christmas even more crazy. Let's do this. So, um, yeah, my parents have pretty much gotten like rave reviews from the first book all the way through. And, and I think even my, they've gotten Facebook messages <laughs> from <laughs> some readers. Like my dad's like, who's this person from like, Perth. I was like, I don't know anybody in Australia. I'm like, oh, she's a reader. She really just loved you guys. So she's now friends on Facebook with you. And he's like, I don't post anything. I'm like, it's okay. Just, you know what? Let's just, let's just love them. And he goes, okay, dear. Okay. Yeah. It's quite entertaining, quite entertaining. My my family's very, very supportive. I and mean, even my coworkers at my job, like mm-hmm. the only rule is do not let this interrupt your day job. Like mm-hmm. that's the only rule. You got to get your work done, which is respectful. All right, cool. Let's do this. But you know, have fun, go do your creative self. Like that's, that's why my corporate job is very structured, very, organized writing, corporate writing. So mm. my creative writing on, uh, on my book piece and on my, on my side is my side hustle is it, it feeds the other side of my brain, which brings mm. me more balance in life. If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. Yeah. Are you working from home under the current circumstances? Yeah, I've been home for about a year and previously to that with my endometriosis I was home part-time like one to two times a week for almost two years Mm -hmm. so like I've been working from home for three years almost um and my parents have always worked from home they own their own business for 30 longer than I've been around so Mm -hmm. working from home and differentiating home from work and even though yes I have a workspace in my living room that's attached to my kitchen because it's all one big room. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't bug me. Like I'm able to separate that time because yeah. I grew up in that environment mm-hmm. and I love it because if I have some time 
in between meetings or I need that 10 minute break, which everybody does every now and then mm-hmm. I get to go do something that's productive in my house. I, I'll unload the dishwasher. I'll put a load of laundry on. I'll sweep. I'll, you know, go shovel the driveway and minus a bajillion right now. And, <laughs> you know, like it, instead of go bug a coworker because I need a 10 minute break. I'm going to go find somebody who looks like they're not that busy and be like, Hey, so I need a break. I need to like stretch my legs and give my brain a break. And and then you're interrupting their productivity. And so Mm -hmm. it gives me a real lovely opportunity to find total, like more overall life balance that I'm Mm -hmm. not too tired by the end of the day or by the weekend. And all my chores are done by all that time too. Mm. and do you do you carve out specific time for writing around your corporate job oh yeah like if you look at my calendar it is spaced blocked out I don't I've never met anybody who uses a calendar more than I do (laughs) (laughs) my Alexa is like you have 17 events tomorrow (laughs) like oh that's great you know and it's like okay you 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 got your podcast so it's like you got to get out of bed at this time you got to be putting your makeup on or getting your hair done or getting into the shower at this time like it's I am very a type personality like that so it's you know I have a chiropractor appointment this evening so it's like my 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 schedule tells me when I'm supposed to leave and actually what time my appointment is so I have that commute time um and are there days where I cut out time for writing and I don't end up doing it? Heck yes. Like there are times where I'm like, I am sorry. I am brain spent. My day at work was a little bit more full or crazy than I anticipated it to be. And I just, I used all my energy. Mm-hmm. And again, like as we spoke earlier, I'm not one to continue to drain my pot dry If, especially when it comes to my writing, because I've learned that my writing just isn't, it's like superficial at that point. It just means like I'm writing for, because I'm writing, I'm not actually writing because I feel whatever the character's feeling and feel the story at that time. Mm -hmm. And for me to really want to evoke emotion, I got to be in the whole mind, body, soul experience Mm -hmm. space to be able to do that properly. Yeah. Do you have aspirations to go full-time with your writing and give up the corporate thing? I think possibly yes at some point but I mean I don't I don't know how like I I don't have enough in my brain to do a full-time like (laughs) pump out like 10-15 books a year how many ever books a year it's going to take to sustain a full-time income um I also co-host on the podcast I write for a literary magazine so like I I dabble into other things as well and so I think at some point there there will be a time for me to leave the corporate and really go 100% on my own but is that next year, five years from now, like, I don't know. I don't see an end. I really mm-hmm. love my corporate job. Like, I really, really do. It's absolutely fantastic. My team is fantastic. My supervisor is fantastic. The benefits are great. Um, and with my endometriosis, like those benefits are really needed for acupuncture and massage and all mm-hmm. the extra holistic stuff that I, I kind of need to maintain balance within my body, mm-hmm. um, which I would lose if I go out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least it would cost me more to 
to obtain that care to, to sustain this type of level of care. So mm-hmm. it, it would need to be the right time and the right move. And, and so I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm okay building both kind of careers simultaneously right now, you know, build one a little bit faster than the other. And then eventually it will f- switch. And, mm-hmm. and whenever that happens, that's going to happen. But you know, it, it is what it is. I, I don't foresee it happening anytime soon. Just because, I, like I said, I really enjoy my job. I love going to work, which is my office <laughs> 10 feet away from my bedroom. But I, I do, I really enjoy going to work every day. And, and as long as it stays that way, then I'll continue to work in the environment. Because, I mean, if you're continuing to grow and you enjoy it, then why stop it is, yeah, is my absolutely. question. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned your podcast there. Um, I, I had a little listen, um, sort you out. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, tell us a little about how that came about. Cause you podcast podcast with a partner as well, don't you? Yeah, I do actually. Um, so we're our podcast is called Quill and Ink, a podcast for book lovers. So we interview authors from all over the place, and we we split that my co-host is another author, Jenna Green. She's from the West side of Canada. I'm from the central part of Canada. We've never met in person and um, we're sponsored by creative edge, which is our publicist or our pub. Uh, yeah. Our publicist, Mickey Mickelson. And he kind of voluntold us was like, girls meet each other, do a podcast together. And we're like, <laughs> hi, nice to meet you. Like, (laughs) where are you from? Like not knowing anything about each other and not knowing anything about being a podcast host, only being on podcasts ourselves as authors. Mm -hmm. And, um, we just kind of dove headfirst into it just over a year ago, actually. And oh my goodness gracious, it has been a wild, another wild ride. Um, <laughs> like we have learned so much. We've done just over 40 interviews over the last year and we're booked like three months in advance now. And it's like, it's, it's mind boggling really on how it, how it's progressed and how you learn not only as an author, but as an interviewer and as an interviewee Mm -hmm. when, when you're a podcast host and you learn so much about writing. Um, We, we split the show in two. So I take the first half, she takes the second half in in asking questions. Mm -hmm. And I really, I try to make that person that we're interviewing relatable to our our listeners and our watchers and our readers. I'm all about how the mind works and what these people do Mm -hmm. outside of writing. Cause I think that's equally as important as what you do and how you do write because they, they feed off of one another. And so when this all transpires, you know, you're, you're picking this person's brain about like what they do with their family or, or, you know, you know, what kind of mental illness they've talked about and mental illness once, you know, I'm picking their brain about mental illness, you know? <laughs> um, and, and then Jenna, she goes into like how you build characters and how you build, um, you know, successful series and, and, you know, what the plot is on their, her, their next book release. And, and we have these really great, laid back fun conversations mm-hmm. and and you learn like we were actually we just did a, an anniversary episode just the two of us on Facebook a couple of week uh, last week actually and um and it was we were like okay so like what have we learned and I'm like man like I have become a better interviewee because I've had people answer questions well and I've also had people answer questions not well and then you're like 
I just went through like six questions in six minutes and I have like 25 (laughs) minutes left. Like, oh my God, you know, like, what are we going to talk about now? Um, And then you pick up like the most random topic, like the one word they said that you can relate to, you pick it up and you start talking about that. And you're like, okay, I'm talking about cats or dogs or snowmobiles for 20 minutes and you're like this is not what you set out to do but it just it's what happened and so um you very much learn and even like taking on lessons for my second book series how to build my character profiles and and the approach that I'm taking on my second series versus my first series all of those lessons I've learned from interviews Mm -hmm. all of them And so to me, that's like the most important, like awesome thing. So I'm, I'm very happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's been not, not only a wild ride, but like the lessons and the people, the contacts that I've made and I'm like, yeah, you know, this person, we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that woman that you can buy in like Walmart or, you know, that, that very famous author, like we know each other like we got connections <laughs> you just feel so honored like even Mickey our publicist is like how do you stay calm like we did an interview with a a an artist her name is Melanie and she played at Woodstock which was like one of the most influential music festivals of the 60s mm-hmm. she was one of one of three female solo artists that played that weekend Mm -hmm. so like iconic Mm -hmm. iconic woman and full of spunk and zest for life and and we're talking and we're live and mickey was watching and he's in tears because it's just like it's his idol from his childhood um he's like how do you stay calm in a situation like that and i'm like well, first of all, you're on camera. You're not in like, you know, real life. So there's mm-hmm. there's that aspect to things that you like. You're not you're starstruck, but you're not that that starstruck. And I was yeah. like, but at the same time, it's like you have scripts, you have questions, like you stick to it, and you don't you don't tangent off of it too far. Mm-hmm. Like, cause once you tangent off of it too far, like I remember Jen and I sitting there, we were like, she, and the woman was singing for us. And I, I was just like, Oh my God, <laughs> Jen is typing to me. She's like, your, your eyes are going to pop out of your head. I'm like, I know, but like, Holy crap. Like this is so surreal that we have like one of the most iconic singers from the sixties and seventies singing on our podcast right now. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is something that I would have never, like you asked me a year ago, you asked me six months ago, would this happen? And I would have been like, what are you talking about? But (laughs) it happened. Um, you know, one that happens, you, you have these opportunities for it to happen more and more with other guests and other, you know, creators and artists out there. And, and if it happens with one, then it can happen with them all. And, and to me, that's like, that's the coolest aspect is that, you know, we have these opportunities with people that have written one book people that have written 50 books, people that have been an iconic music legend for 50 years to people that have produced and created you know their first song and 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 it's like 
this is this is cool to be part of this and i think we have we do i think have covid to thank for this one good positive thing is that you know covid has really put the world into a digital and virtual aspect right and so mm-hmm. it gives us the opportunity to connect with people that might be a little bit too busy because covid wasn't around they would be traveling all over the place now they're stuck at home so like yeah. why not talk to us <laughs> yeah i mean so much has obviously it was a very virtual digital world already but you know it's become so much more so like we've you know like you said about events um with so many writing events and conferences all going online and I've been involved in running one myself which was crazy um but you know like I wouldn't be able to ordinarily go to an event in Canada but now I could buy a virtual ticket and be there and meet a whole different group of people it is fantastic like don't get me wrong like I definitely got the opportunity to go down to the states to do a book event and I felt super like bougie and kind of like badass you know you're sitting there you're like I'm getting paid to do a book thing and you like hair flip and like customs is like so what are you doing in the states for 24 hours I'm like I'm working. (laughs) You're like, I felt super cool. Um, Even though I traveled for 40 hours there and back for literally one hour's worth of work. Um, And I was exhausted. (laughs) Like it was, it was so draining, like six airports, seven hours of driving all by myself and um because you know I'm obviously not cool enough to have like a bodyguard or or anything like a published cyst come with me right so it's like you're doing this all by yourself which is totally fine I'm independent I love airports for some reason I don't know why it feels like I'm on a vacation as soon as I step into one even if I'm going for work yeah um so it was exhausting. It was so much fun. But now it's like I get to talk to somebody like you overseas. I get to talk to people all over the world, especially all these interviews that I've done with these women. It's like I've hit 21 different countries this year. Mm. Well, in 2020, I hit 21 different countries without having to ever really leave the comfort of my own home, sometimes not even leaving the comfort of my own bed. Like. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm still in a house coat. And, you know, somebody in the UK that's like, it's four o'clock in the afternoon and I'm still in my pajamas. Like, no big deal. Yes. (laughs) I think it highlights how, like, because you were saying about getting starstruck and stuff. And I was thinking, you know, I've definitely experienced that. But at the same time, through experience, you come to just realize we're all just people. And, you know, and actually how humble most people are as well. Mm -hmm. you know you're totally right like we are just people and that's why that's there's two reasons and one of the reasons why I like to say this is that's exactly why I do what I do at the beginning of our podcast I want to make these stars just like regular people because then people are more susceptible to listen and to absorb what they have to say versus being completely starstruck you know like if you do hear about somebody's lavish travels and this and that what really pops into our mind and stays in our mind is man like I want a private jet to a private island to a yacht to a this to a that versus what does this person really have to say and are they saying stuff that I can learn from 
Mm. or relate to. And a lot of our authors do have things that either regular people that aren't reader or writers, but perhaps just like reading can learn from or other writers who are aspiring and growing their own businesses can learn from, you know, Mm -hmm. like as a podcast host, I'm learning from these people because I've now made them relatable. I'm like, oh, you like to take a hike in the forest with your kids and like pop a squat if you can't find a bathroom? Sweet. (laughs) I've definitely done that before, you know? And it's like now this person and I are relatable because we've both peed in the bush. Great. (laughs) That's great. So anything that they have to say, I'm more susceptible to hearing. But if they're going on yachts and private jets and buying $5,000 shoes. The only thing I'm thinking about is, man, I'm putting myself in that dream. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily listening to the meat and potatoes of their life lessons or, or their relatability or whatever, whatever they can say that I can absorb and learn from. Mm -hmm. I'm just in this cloud nine because of what you know how they've gone about it so there's that aspect and and then being on the other side of the the, the starstruck it's fantastic I you know I've picked up a couple of phone calls with the interviews and I'm like okay well let me tell you a little bit about myself you know getting ready for that spiel mm-hmm. and <laughs> and and I have these women going oh no no I know all about you already and I'm like but how they're like, well, we've read all your books and, you know, we're friends on Facebook, we're friends on Instagram, we're friends on Twitter. Like, I pretty much know everything about you. Like, so like, how's your dog, Madison? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and it just it catches me so off guard. And I'm like, okay, but let me make myself a little bit more relatable. Like, look at me, I'm in a house coat right now. And, you know, like, you're just, you're trying to, and to to find that relatability like I'm not different than you are you know you may be a detective or a nutritionist or a clerk in a store whatever you are like we still we're still on the same playing level playing Mm -hmm. field like just because I did this doesn't mean you're less than me because you've done a whole bunch of other cool things in your life yeah so yeah, it it happens on both senses. I'm like, I need to be relatable with everybody I'm talking to, whether I'm a host or whether I'm an interviewee. Mm-hmm. And I just I just want to find that relatability. So whatever I have to say or whatever I have to try to absorb is is the stuff that I'm striving to learn for to grow internally. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So I have a final question we ask all of our guests on the great writer share which is Miranda O why do you write I write to 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 relate (laughs) I was gonna say share but no it's to relate um my first book was heavy 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 stuff and I wanted to relate to people that going through heavy stuff doesn't mean that you're going through it alone Mm-hmm. And my second series is all about giving women who have felt silenced for years, decades, giving them a voice going, mm-hmm. hey, it's okay to go through this stuff. It's okay to be told no, but don't stop fighting for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you're not alone in this, this journey. And so writing for me has been not only 
a healing tool for my own individual self, but it has been a source of connectivity, relatability, and healing for my readers as well. And, and I just wish to continue to strive to produce stuff that impacts you in your soul and your gut mm. every single time you pick up a book of mine. Oh, lovely. Now then, we do also have the slightly evil rapid fire round. <laughs> That's all Ten right. questions as quick as you can. Okay. <laughs> you will be timed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready? Yes. Okay. Slippers or fluffy socks? Ooh, slippers. Favorite season? Summer. Last song you sang along to? Sir makes a lot. I like big butts. <laughs> Favorite wine? Ooh, Old Vines in Videl. Mm-hmm. Candles or fairy lights? Candles. The next place you want to travel to? Anywhere hot. <laughs> Your favorite shoes? Ooh, black stilettos. The last book that made you laugh? My own. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Your ideal date night? Ooh, that's a good one. Somewhere where we can eat and share good food and good company. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like good food and good company. Okay. Combined. Mm-hmm. And a genre you've never read? Murder mystery. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I've never read. I've read like horrors and thrillers and dramas and this and that, but not historical time like I've read a lot but I've not read a murder mystery I don't think so there you go that's 10 questions that was pretty quick (laughs) so thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you pleasure is all mine thank you so much Holly (laughs) thank you thanks for listening to this episode of the great writers share podcast Tune in next week to listen to Dan's interview with Jennifer Ann Gordon. Until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey y'all, this is Kenya, creative director and co-founder of Domino Sound. And this is Alexander De Palma, executive producer and co-founder of Domino Sound. And we're a queer, disabled, black woman-owned podcast production company and network creating authentic, inclusive, provocative content. We just launched Domino Presents, which is a new series of special audio projects. The premiere episode features the founders of Poppy Juice, the queer art collective throwing the hottest parties in New York City and around the world. We also recommend The Cheat Code, our hit 10-episode audio soap opera surrounding a love affair. Think love and hip-hop meets The Affair meets The Sopranos. Follow us on IG at DominoSoundCO to keep up. And listen to our shows on the ACAST app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Domino Sound. Hold up. 
Acast, Acast. 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 Acast.